Welcome everyone to Sports Performance Radio, Episode 4. I am B. Chavez, your host, and uh, as I said, welcome and thank you for joining me. This is uh, very much a special episode for a number of reasons. One, it is the January 1st, 2016 episode. So it uh, earmarks the beginning of a new year and uh, the continued evolution of Sports Performance Radio. And uh, it also offers me the opportunity to thank everyone for 2015. Uh, Started this show kind of on a whim, wasn't sure uh, if I could do it, if I should do it, and certainly had no idea how well it would be received. So the fact that I'm here beginning 2016 is uh, very exciting and very gratifying. And the first thing I'd like to do is just thank everyone for coming along. Uh, Had a great 2015, a couple of really what I think are excellent, excellent shows. Um, Started the year out with uh, Patrick Costelli, Arnold Champion Strongman, uh, moved on through a number of guests, uh, had uh, Lyle McDonald talk diet, just a really, really great year, and uh, if you haven't, I strongly suggest you go back and listen to some of the older episodes, because we really did do some good stuff, definitely a lot of growing pains, definitely a learning curve, but that's what everything's about, so I feel really good about what I've done, and I feel even better about what's coming, and speaking of what's coming... Another thing I'd like to say is welcome to 2016. This show, first of the year, um, brings about a number of changes. Uh, one is um, I've implemented already and will continue to implement some, quote, extra shows. And I've literally titled them just that, Sports Performance Radio Extras. Some of them are old audio experts from other things I've done. Some of them are brand new. Uh, and in that vein, I'd like to mention that I uh, have a great Sports Performance Radio Extra coming, uh, very contemporaneous to this. It'll be out another few days after this particular show. And that is going to be an interview and dialogue with the new 90-kilogram world's strongest man, Zach McCarley. So that's a really, really great interview. Um, Again, it's a little different than the standard Sports Performance Radio. It's a little more of an interview dialogue, kind of a little more personable, a little different stuff. So uh, definitely... Uh, a little bit of growth development on my part, and definitely a great interview with a great guy. You can't go wrong with anybody that's got world's strongest man after their name. So definitely something you want to listen for. Um, another thing that I hope to be able to continue to do in the coming year in 2016 is tell you a little bit about a next month's show. And in this case, I can because that show's already recorded. I have yet to do the production, but the February 1st, 2016 show will be with... Andrew Triana, a guest that we've already had, uh, and well-received guest, and just really the smartest guy you could spend your time talking to. And uh, Andrew's going to talk to us about block periodization. Uh, Not just any block periodization, but his personal variety of block periodization that he uses literally for his training. So it's really exciting stuff. And, uh, it, it's, it's very specific to Andrew, and it's, it's really interesting, and he's very, very good at explaining and describing, so I, I can't imagine you'd want to miss it if you're interested in the nuts and bolts of training. It's just great, great stuff. Um, so, on to the show. Something that I've done from the beginning and uh, gotten very good and very bad reviews. Some people say, stop talking about drugs. Others have given me feedback and say, hey, tell us more about these drugs. Um, so... It's in my nature. I'm going to talk about it. It's just who I am. Uh, If I haven't offended you yet, I certainly will at some point. It's just my nature. 
But uh, a, a news story that falls into the uh, talk about drugs category. Uh, November 2015, down in Texas, was the uh, IWF World Championships. Big news, big news that was on U.S. shores. It was a really well-run event. It was a great event. Uh, I've not yet watched all the footage, um, this being only you know the end of December. But uh, I've, I've watched as much as I can, and it really just was a great show. A lot of interesting commentary I could give on the show. I've never seen an event with so much disparity between the top-tier lifters and the mid- and low-tier lifters. Uh, I found that very interesting. A uh, number of other things I found interesting, including you know the 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 closing gap between the sexes and some of the redistribution of uh, populations within uh, weight classes. All very interesting, but... For this, the interesting news is the uh, the doping report has fallen, and uh, they only had 17 failures. That's really not bad. 17 failures. I have the list in front of me. I won't read any names or nationalities. Um, this is public domain. If you want to know that stuff, you can go look it up. I have no reason to uh, specifically incriminate or criticize anyone or any nation specifically, but uh, the general temperament of the thing is is something I'll, I care to cover. And uh, anyway, we have 17 failures. I find the drugs that the failures were for very, very interesting, and that's what I want to talk about. Uh, we have, let's see, I will take it a little bit out of, out of order from the list that's posted. Nine of the 17 failures involved the drug, the oral drug Trinabol. Uh, I will come back to that. Two of the failures involved Nandrolone. Um, I will say not what country, but they were both from the same country. I can only chalk that up to just really shit coaching. Uh, anybody who knows anything about sports, and certainly anybody that knows anything about sports pharmacology, should be able to tell you that Nandrolone is the single most detectable drug. Uh, the fact that these people were taking Nandrolone at all, much less within a detectable range of a, of a IOC WADA drug test, uh, it, it's just it's just ridiculous. It's embarrassing. Uh, either they just really weren't trying, or there was some mislabeling or something. Because that's just it's just crap. No no one thinks they can pass a drug test taking uh, nandrolone. It, it's just goofy. Uh, one of the nandrolone failures also mentions boldenone. Eh, that's acceptable. I can I can see that. Um, also, there was a failure for methanolone, which is uh, primabolin. Really, really good drug, clever drug. Uh, I could certainly understand why a weight class athlete would want to take a, a very clean, lean, you know, low water retention androgen. Uh, unfortunately, in this case, they just they got caught. But uh, I, I, that makes sense. Two failures involved letrozole, which is a uh, an aromatase inhibitor. It's not even technically a steroid. It is apparently a banned substance. I'm not even sure I was aware of that. Uh, my suspicion is that's just what they caught, got caught for. They were probably taking piles of exogenous testosterone, and they were taking the letrozole to prevent the aromatization over to estrogen. Uh, that's only speculation on my part, but I'd, I'd pretty much stand by it. Um, the, the really weird one I'll save for last, going back to the oral trinibol, um, I'm just dumbfounded at this. It spans nation. It's a lot of different nations, uh, male and female, which is even more ridiculous because no female on earth should be taking trinibol. Um, trinibol is a just garbage, garbage drug. 
Uh, just did a little, I even have some notes in front of me. I just cut and pasted this out of Wikipedia because I, I don't even have Trinibol information on the top of my head because it's just, as I said, it's a garbage drug. And on top of that, it doesn't, I'm in the United States. It really doesn't make it to North American shores very much. But um, let me see here. Trinibol, sold under the tree, the brand name Oral Trinibol. It's an anabolic steroid, the chloro-substituted version of methylnanstendrolone, quote, Dianabol. Um, Gen Farm, Eastern Europe, um, patent date 1961. This is a dinosaur. Basically what it is, is a chlorinated dianabol. It has a giant carbon ring on it. Um, it's, uh, sold, you know, in marketing wise as being less, uh, less toxic than dianabol. Uh, nothing about it suggests that to me. It just, it's just garbage. It's far less potent. Um, no less androgenic. It's just really not a good drug in any uh, shape. But the thing I find amazing about the failure is we're talking about an oral drug with a half-life of something on the order of eight hours uh, being uh, chlorinated maybe a little longer, maybe 10 hours. So nonetheless, literally all you had to do was stop taking it three days before the test and should have passed. The fact that all of these people fail speaks to me of a little bit of a conspiracy. And uh, I, I mean that... Well, I really I mean that exactly how it sounds. Um, I personally was involved in, you know, the drug doping scene uh, of the 90s. And I know for a fact that periodically the, quote, word would come down that given compound X, Y, or Z would not be tested for. Uh, I know for a fact that that happened more than a few times with the drug Mastron. Uh, it was just kind of spoken through the ether that, hey, that wouldn't be tested for. And lo and behold, there were no failures for it. So it's very possible that it was accurate. What I suspect happened here, being such a goofy drug, an ineffective drug, uh, I suspect that people got wind of the idea that Trinobol would not be tested for, and they kind of overdid their use of it, and then it turns out that that data was inaccurate and the drug was tested for, because I just can't think of another reason why high-class, high-caliber athletes would, one, be taking such a nonsensical compound, and two, why they would be so reckless as to take it, you know, very uh, proximal to the drug test. So I, I suspect there was probably something going on there, which I find interesting, but still a little bit embarrassing. But uh, the big doping news from this is uh, Aleski Lokchev, the pretty much the number one lifter on earth at the moment, uh, failed the drug test for um, the polypeptide ipamerolin. It's a uh, growth hormone-releasing peptide. And I really, I know surprisingly little about it. I mean, I know what it is, that it's a growth hormone-releasing peptide, and that it's uh, sub-Q delivery, and it has a very, as in two-hour, very short half-life. So I'm confused how it was even detected. I don't know much about the uh, the specifics of testing that particular compound. I don't know if it creates an antibody or a downstream uh, metabolite or an enzyme uptake that's detectable, but apparently they caught him for this. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised we see uh, a bunch of arguing and fighting and possibly even court fighting over it. Interesting, nonetheless, that the top lifter on earth would fail for such an obscure and obtuse compound. So that's certainly... Um, Newsworthy and something to watch. So, 
Uh, I'll, I'll leave that there. There's an awful lot more I could say about that. Um, I find the doping uh, an interesting subject, and I find WADA just a, a bunch of fucking idiots and very easy to criticize. So I, I won't continue. I, I certainly could and probably will again in the future. But for now, a little news update. 17 failures at the Worlds. Um, some interesting ideas at work within the failures. Uh, a couple of I just didn't tries. A bunch of, uh, I probably got bad informations, and then just a couple of unlucky sods. So, really, 17 failures on the in the scope of, uh, you know, the, the almost 300 lifters they had. It, it's really, uh, really not a bad scenario. So, I feel pretty good about it, and I'm proud that the, uh, the Worlds were in the U.S. and that they went off without a hitch, essentially, and it was a, a very well-received event. So, um, all in all, that's kind of a, a positive news story. Uh, I suppose, in light of it ending in a, in a doping report, but all sports do ultimately, so interesting stuff. And now, on to the guest, the show, the first show of 2016. Uh, I cannot think of a better way to start 2016 than talk about something that I just don't think gets talked about enough, and that is the reason that almost everybody does everything, money. Back in the old, when I did you know the co-hosting of the RX show, uh, we talked a lot about economics, economy, commerce in sports, um, the concept of you know sponsorships and who gets it and why, and it's just something that I don't think enough people are talking about. So I went to the only person I could really think of that was making money in the world of sports, specifically strongman, without himself being you know a quote pro strongman. Um, so just thought that the idea of an entrepreneurial spirit within a niche sport was just something interesting and something we should talk about. And so we are going to have a dialogue with Mr. Kale Beck of Starting Strongman. And uh, it's just a wonderful talk. I really suggest you listen and pay attention. It, it, it wanders a little bit, it meanders, but it does because we're not talking about a hard science. We're talking about an opinion of a, on a way and a, and a modality and a mentality to make money in the world of sports. So it's really interesting stuff. I find it interesting that Kale and I are so very much different individuals and we have very similar views in the end under it all. The underlying ideas are very similar. So uh, without too much further ado, I bring you Kale Beck from Starting Strongman. Everybody, as promised, we are on the phone with Mr. Starting Strongman, Kale Beck, and he is going to talk to us a little bit about the finances, about the science of the money of strength sports, strongman, that sort of thing. Kale, you there? Yeah, I'm definitely here. Uh, I have about, you know, three hours of sleep in the past week because when you're dealing with money, you, uh, you get it, and Christmas is a good time of year when you're on that end of it. Um, so it's uh, been a br- kind of breakthrough moment. Like uh, I've never dealt with this having like actual e-commerce on my uh, website and uh, having to deal with that holiday rush. I actually, as a Jew, I now enjoy Christmas. I didn't used to, <laughs> but it's, it's it's been wonderful. Merry Christmas to all, and go to shop.startingstrongman.com. But anyways, funny, I'm, I'm not funny. You would say that. I'm going to interrupt you with a real quick little funny. Um, I'm my family. We're we're completely a. We we have no religion. We don't do anything. We're completely a religion. But as a weird tradition, once a long time ago, we started going to the Chinese buffet on Christmas Day, 
and uh, speaking of Jewish, and it's us, exactly. <laughs> my wife, my two young kids, and then 70 to 100 old Jewish couples, and it's just very funny, and it, that made me think of it. It's, it kind of made me smile. Yeah, um, that, that sounds very Jewish. It sounds very Jewish of you, so uh, we're kindred spirits in that. And I am also not religious in any way, but that means I am Jewish. Because, uh, it's exactly I call, I call, and we're going to stay stick to the finance and everything and stay on topic, but I think uh, describing the aspects of being Jewish kind of still goes hand in hand with that. Um, it does. So you get that thing where I think your brain even stops your thoughts so you don't say something you didn't want to. But uh, I, I call this, oh, that's what it is. Uh, I call not practicing uh, religion, like not being a practicing religion but still being Jewish by culture, I call that a West Coast Jew. Okay, fair enough. You know what I mean? Like, like every every like Jewish person person in California, they don't go to synagogue. They don't, you know, they, they barely remember Hanukkah and they'll, you know, like the menorah and all those kind of things. But they're definitely Jewish. You know one when you see one, and and you get along and you have those same kind of uh, cultural things. It's a it's an interesting thing where it's uh, they say like I've heard people say it's not a culture. And I'll say, then how can like how can how can you like look at someone and see if they're Jewish or not? And I'm I've uh, molded myself good enough that uh, I might have been able to survive uh, World War II by uh, by by hiding. But I, I guess I, I don't have blonde hair though. I'd probably be fucked. But <laughs> anyways, um, back to back to finance. So the, the first thing I want to say is uh in the our subculture of a subculture of a subculture in a niche of, you know, strong man and powerlifting and strength sports and lifting ridiculously heavy things for no reason other than the, um, your own enjoyment and maybe to impress 50 other um, psychopaths that care, you know, on the Internet, is when there's people like to pretend like there is no industry but every single thing is funded on an industry. And in order for it to be anything, it has to be, or else it's just going to be stagnant. Like, you can get into other controversial topics, and I'm not going to say I agree or disagree with this, but you can take the instance of, like, a poaching, you know, not poaching, but hunting, like, lions in Africa and all the outrage there's been about that lately. But the the argument is, because all these, you know, rich white dentists and and whoever bid to go hunt these animals and pay lots of money to these conservatories and the and the you know everything that is created in industry, that now the lions, which are you know like a major threat to all the locals and serve no purpose, other than they might eat your child and all of that, and but you know they're still a majestic animal, it added value to them, so they're no longer going to basically you know commit genocide on them and, uh, you know, or poach them and kill them because they're so valuable that they can't. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I do, in fact. It's a, it's actually, I've used the very same argument, but with uh, nor, Northwestern Pacific logging. Um, the, the logging companies take very good care of the forests because yes. that is their commodity. Yeah, if it goes away, they go away. So Correct. it might seem like they're destroying it, but they actually care about it more so than any of you. That's exactly correct. You're you're not in like if you're not a logger, you're not a logger. If you're not at like 
if, if you're not a hunter, you're not a hunter. You don't understand hunting. And to talk about what may be a, like a future conversation we can have is, uh, I remember Marius Kujanowski was once asked about uh, drug use in the sport of strongman. It's on YouTube. I don't even know where to find it, but it was a great interview, and it was uh, translated from Polish. And they said, what do you say about, you know, drug use in sport? And he said, and I think this sums it up better than I've ever heard it, and it goes along the same kind of lines as he said, if you want to know the secrets of sport, become an athlete. If you want to know the secrets of the church, become a priest. If you're in, you know. If you're out, then you wonder. <laughs> and uh, and there's nothing wrong with making money within a subculture or a sport or anything like that. What's wrong is if you make money off of it and you provide no value back. Agreed. There, there's a way to make money where it helps everyone involved and it presents and it presents more opportunities for everyone at you know every level or it at least gives that carrot to dangle that this this uh hobby that we all invest so much time in and we you know break our bodies and have surgeries and uh you know screw up jobs and relationships over and do all this dumb dumb stuff for for like we said like 50 people that check powerlifting watch or, you know, starting strongman or whatever, or, you know, go on Facebook, you know, care about, like we put all this effort and it's, it's not, it's not about the money, but in order for something to truly excel, there needs to be some sort of incentive. You can watch the history of any sport as there is more incentive, the, the caliber of shows, athletes, performances get better. That's just, it's just going to happen. It allows an athlete, if an athlete has enough, if there's enough in, incentives in an industry for an athlete to, uh, you know, be able to train full time and not have to worry about all those other things like going to some job they don't like or having to start a career and they go, I'm a power lifter. I squat, bench, and deadlift. I make my living squat, bench, and deadlifting. If someone can do that, they have a huge advantage over someone who has to work 40 plus hours a week, uh, worry about getting fired, et cetera. And there needs to be companies and organizations that are making money within that industry so they can provide those kind of sponsorships. And where, you know, in Strongman in, in particular, there was a time where that was the case. And I think people don't really understand in the early to basically mid-2000s is there was a lot of money in Strongman. People were making a ton of money in Strongman. Um, with When the WSM and the IFSA split, I don't know how much uh, you personally know about it, and I'm not the person to say it. Like, I wasn't really around. I started in the sport in 2007, but I've talked to enough people and I've heard everything that, you know, there was, like, people got actual, like, you know, six-figure contracts to say, like, I'm an IFSA strongman, right? And not to compete in one and vice versa. And Yeah, I, I, uh, I do actually, uh, my good, my good friend and former co-host Mike Johnston was actually very, uh, involved in that time period. So I, I got yeah. an awful lot of insider info that maybe others didn't get. But you're, you're absolutely right. And that also kind of, as you said, earmarks chronologically the time when things really changed. Yes. And, and then it, 
then the, the economy crashed right around there, and it was kind of like a, and it just didn't work out, and then Strongman kind of hit a, a low. But I feel like it's kind of on the rise again. What's not on the rise is there's, I don't really see, there's, there is more opportunities at the very, very high level. And I'm, I'm speaking more so about America. Like, in Europe, they still have Strongman's Champions League, et cetera, whereas, you know, this guy, you know, from Uzbekistan or whatever can travel every second or third week and do a show and possibly make a, you know, you know, a couple hundred to three thousand dollars or whatever it is. And that's a good money to survive where they're from. Um, but, you know, I'm speaking in America is how many pro shows that have actual prize money, let alone are flying the athletes out to compete to them because I think people get misinterpreted in my, well, my wife was a professional equestrian. She did hunter jumper, right? Okay. You know, horses, they, 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 uh, they, they, they jump over things and they do stuff like that. Like that, that's the, like the layman's, like when we describe strongmen, like I pick up rocks, I pull trucks. And as an amateur, there was prize money. As a pro, it means they pay you to show up. That's Which my is the case in most athletics outside right. of powerlifting, strongman, that sort of thing. Yes. Um, so there's certain contests in, in the, in here where they pay you to show up. And that is like world's strongest man, the Arnold world, you know, the Arnold classic, you know, they, they pay the athletes away. Not all of them, you know, they pay, they pay their way. They're, they're set aside, you know, some amount of money they're put up, et cetera. That is, that is a professional athlete. If you pay your own way, and you have a chance to win $3,000, that's awesome, but it's not exactly what – it's it's a step in the right direction, but it's not what I would consider something being a professional athlete. I agree. I yeah, agree. but I'm not saying it's bad, and I'm not saying – and, and uh, I'm not saying that um, people that aren't going to the Arnold Classic or World's Strongest Man are not, are not pro strongmans, because pro you can also take uh, out of a monetary – monetary, you know, monetary reasons, like if you take that aside, I consider pro, are you competing against the absolute best of your peers, right? That's another way to take pro. Like, are, are you at the highest possible level in in your sport, in your weight class, et cetera? Is there, is it, if, if, if there's nowhere higher to go than I paid my own way and, you know, I got this cool trophy, then you're at a professional level. You're at an elite level. But you're just not getting compensated like that. And, and there needs to be more of an industry to uh, to support it so those kind of athletes can be uh, compensated, such as that, for their, uh, their talents, their hard work, et cetera. And even not just monetary compensation, but recognition. Because what I've found... One probably leads to the other fairly significantly. It does. Um, they, they go hand in hand. And people, I'm sure a, a lot of people are going to take what I'm saying the wrong way, but that, that can't be helped. And, you know, those same people, prob- you know, they already have their their uh, whatever it is, so it's, it's irrelevant. Um, but I, I hope from a personal standpoint what people would uh, want to know is that I, I've always thought like this. I've had, like, my brain works in, 
like that's kind of how my brain works is I see I see very big picture and where I struggle is I have a hard time then focusing on step one and I think that's kind of where like strongman and uh you know powerlifting you know these these style strength sports fail is they go okay we need prize money we need sponsors we need x we need z it's like well how well how do you get those that's that's step 100 we haven't done step one you need a big enough platform that you can provide value that there's that those same sponsors will make money bingo i you know couldn't agree more and i oh excuse me I personally think that a large portion of the stagnation of any sport, powerlifting is a great example, and strongman is, might even be a better example, I lay an enormous amount of the stagnation at the foot of the governing bodies, the organizations. They're the only groups, no matter how small they may be, they're bigger than the individual, the competitor. I see them as the only groups really with the resources to – expand the scope of strongman into places it presently doesn't exist. What, where, what's your take on that? I think that there can, that at the same time, when when someone is at the head, is you have to lead from the front, of course. If you have the biggest platform, if you have the most um, chance to help, then it's up to you to do those right things. And you can either do those right things or you can't. And at the same time, and, and this is, and this is where I want to just try to, I'm not gonna like, uh, I'm not going to censor myself, but I'm, I'm gonna try to explain my words in a way that doesn't offend someone, if you know what I mean. I'm still gonna say the same meaning, um. It's pointless, you'll offend someone, but by all means. Okay, so let's just offend people and, and let's stop with the pre, with the pretenses. Um, they are the, they are the reason that there is strongman has this potential um, without, you know, the certain governing bodies, et cetera. I'm not naming any names or anything like that. That's easy enough to connect all dots. You can point fingers whoever you want, but if you're not, if you're just pointing fingers, you're also not helping. So actually do something. If you don't like how my, before I say anything, my take on stuff is if you see some how someone's doing something and you say it should be done like this, it should be done like that, rather than try to get them to change and force their hand in something that they probably won't do, why don't you try to do it yourself? That's 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 a perfectly valid train of thought. Yeah. Okay. If you don't like how they're doing it, then that's probably an opportunity. That, uh, and that's, and that's why America is great and that's capitalism. If you can produce a better product in a better way, then eventually it'll catch traction. Whether you are willing to put in the work for the amount of return it's going to give is another story. And you're probably a smarter man than I if you don't. They're, they're the reason why there is a lot of opportunities. I think there's a lot of missed opportunities. I've, been privy to a lot of things that have, you know, went on and, you know, I'm probably more educated than most, but, you know, there's, they've, they've created a lot of opportunities, but I think there's been a lot left on the table as well. I think that's the fairest way to put it. I, I would, I would agree with that. I think, yeah, uh, there's, I, 
I think some of the people in charge, if I were going to put it into words, I would say I think a a large portion of the 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 steering of the major organization has been – this is really good. We're making pretty good money. Let's not try to do anything too weird for fear of screwing it up. And yeah, I, I think I, I accept that. I accept that as a modality, but I also see that as the perfect uh, perfect recipe for failure in the end. Yeah, or stagnation is probably a better was the word I'd use rather than failure. You know, it's just you know if complacency in a way. But there there has been advances. There has. You know, little by little, there's more and more. Like, I, when, when I started in Strongman, there was no such thing as a lightweight, you know, 175-pound division, and I'm just a small little – I'm a small-frame Jewish kid um, that was horrible at sports, so there's no way I was going to ever – I tried. I fucking tried to be a decent 231-pound competitor, and at one point, Robert Overs had – dreams and illusions of me being a heavyweight at five foot six on a good day, um, which would have kept me single and lonely forever, I'm sure. Um, and, and I will say that there's a direct correlation between the improvement of my love life and when the, the, what was once called strongman fitness, which I think, uh, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm pretty sure you're a former, uh, colleague and co-host coined, it was a good idea, horrible name, he knows how I feel on that, and uh, that was changed also in large part to me, Um, but you know, the 175 pound division and a chance to compete at the Arnold Classic and be on the big stage, which regardless of money, that is fucking cool, like that like, to compete on that stage and watch and we're not talking about my athletic prep, like what I've done as an athlete or anything in in this show, but I will say my only regret as an athlete is to not be able to stand up on that stage and have 5,000 people cheer for me and put on a show, because I know it's well, circumstances... Right now, there was, there was a, a hell of a lot more people than 5,000 at the uh, at the Arnold Lightweight uh, Championship. I, I was there with Pat Castelli, and there was... Uh, hundreds of thousands of people. It was a, it was a staggering mob of people. Well, well, you don't have to make me feel bad. Feel even worse about it. <laughs> well, actually, what I'm I was going to say, I, I, I was saying that for a reason uh, other than yeah. to uh, to uh, desecrate your dream of competing there because I, I, I actually share your dream. Uh, I really yeah. do. Uh, we're kindred quite quite well in that. Um, but the reason I the reason I uh, made the statement that there was that many people, and there really was, I'm not exaggerating, there is. Um, is because I believe that's where the growth of the sport lies, is yes. not necessarily in generating raw dollars, which is great, but dollars are only dollars. But yes. there was, say, 100,000 people looking at the stage at the Arnold. A large portion of them had no idea what Strongman was, but they were there, they saw it, and they were exposed to it. I believe that that exposure is what will begin to open up avenues in the future because the seed is now planted in people's heads. Hey, I saw this really little guy picking up this really big rock, and it was kind of cool, and the crowd was wild, and I think that's what makes the opportunities for the future. It's not so much, you know, how many heads did you draw, how much revenue did you generate, oh, let's back up and go home, but how many seeds did you plant? How much money can we make in the future because we did a good job today? 
that that's kind of where my thinking is. You're getting me so fired up right now. I want to go. I, I I tore my bicep like two weeks. Ago. I had surgery on Friday. We're talking, or I had surgery like ten days ago for a torn bicep on my stupid comeback when I'm a broken broken. Uh, I'm a broken puppet. You can't put I'm a, you can't put me back together again. I can function at life, but to compete at that level, like the Pat Castellis of well, the world and the you're other, you're all set for CrossFit. Then, if you can function at life, CrossFit's for you. Well, thank, I will. I, I, I will say, think, think, whatever you want to think. Um, we, we both already established that we're not the most religious people in the world, but think whatever you want to think for CrossFit, um, because. If I don't care what you think about the, how the training style is, is if someone ever got the marketing end on and and how what you're saying is what the value is is in the exposure. It's Greg Glassman and the CrossFit model. It couldn't, it could not be done much better. And you can just look at it. I, I, I grew up in a small town called Aromas, California. It's about 800 people. Um, it's kind of right in between, uh, like, uh, San, it's like two hours south of San, San Francisco, about five hours, uh, north of LA on, on the okay. coast. In, uh, and it's actually in a tri-county where three counties kind of intersect. So this tiny town of, uh, 800 people had three counties in it. So it's a, it's kind of peculiar in that way. So then also a lot of cops live there, <laughs> which, so, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting town, but um, one of those is Santa Cruz County, and, of course, Santa Cruz is where CrossFit started, and Greg Glassman uh, built this uh, gigantic empire, which is currently having the biggest impact on our culture today. Um, and then the CrossFit Games were first held in Aromas. So ah, I kind of okay. – kind of, so it was going somewhere. <laughs> um, so – I I didn't I've heard about CrossFit since the time where there was like three people doing it just because it was so close uh, to to where I grew up and then when they're they're holding an actual like any sort of people are lifting anything in my tiny town of 800 people you know that that was I found that very peculiar and I'm like huh like I didn't like especially back then there wasn't any like at that point, like people weren't strong that were doing CrossFit. It was a it was it was a brand new sport. It was the first time they actually had a competition for it. It grew just like just like you know pros at World Strongest Man uh, were struggling with weights that you know Patrick Castelli and myself and you know and and, uh, and others are are doing at 175 pounds in you know the in in the 2000 in the 2000s or whatever the hell this decade's called now. Um, and I, I don't want to just you know slob on uh, Castelli's balls, but we're both very familiar with him, and he is uh, the most accomplished 175 pound athlete if you look at pure titles. Absolutely, unquestioned. He just is. Yeah. And it's, I, I did beat him once. So <laughs> you, you know, and that, and that bugs him just ever so slightly. I just I'll just let it you does. know that. Just. So it's. I can't help but digress, but I, I, I know that it bugs him, and I consider him a friend, but as a as a friend and a peer and an athlete, it should bug him, and that is why you can have friendships, because we share that same passion, 
Because if, if something like that didn't bug him and it didn't bug me that I feel like on certain days I'd be better than him, then we both wouldn't be who we are. You know what I'm saying? It's I, not, I do entirely. I do entirely. It, it has nothing to do with I hate him or anything, but if, if as an athlete I don't feel like I'm better than you, then I need to quit. I absolutely agree. That is the, that is the point of all this. Yes. Like, that is the point of all this. I want to be the strongest man in the world at 175 pounds. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I remember he put up a, uh, an Instagram post, I think like well over a year ago, of, uh, of like a throwback Thursday to, to when uh, it was the, the podium for, uh, Washington's strongest apple 2012, which probably, um, which I'm staring at the little plaque that I won for it right now that says uh, lightweight men winner. Uh, and, you know, it's it's me, Costelli, and Benji Ellers. And Benji, at that time, was uh, the bridesmaid at the, at the previous two national championships, meaning he got second place. Right. And I think, I think he's a phenomenal, phenomenal lightweight and someone I always looked up to. And the entire reason why I flew up to Washington for that show was to test myself against Benji. I had no idea who Pat was at that point. And then he, and I went, holy shit, this is a fucking battle. Like, going into the last event, I think Costelli and I were tied and Benji was half a point behind. And we all, it was a great show. Like, as far as for a local show, especially in 2012, I don't think that there was a, a higher level of, um, you know, lightweights at one show at, at that point. Nowadays, maybe so. It's grown a lot. You know, there was like 10 of us back then. But uh, I, I had the misfortune of peaking at all the wrong contests. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I was an abysmal strongman myself, but I I had the same problem as I was actually competitive at strongman almost well not almost literally before NAS actually formed. I was competing yeah. in uh, ninety seven ninety eight uh, like like ninety seven through two thousand is actually when I when I did my little strongman career. So I was just like right on the very tip of it, and it was almost pointless. Like there it really didn't go anywhere. It was just a place to compete. Yeah, it it mental like. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking about about myself, even though it's my favorite thing. But um, well, my point is, well, I feel so, so I guess I am. <laughs> and, and and I'm acting a, a bit arrogant, and I'm I'm just having fun, everybody. But uh, but but Castelli, he posted a throwback Thursday. He said flashback to the last time I, and and this is at the moment since he's had. Um, you know, some misfortune and not, I wouldn't even say misfortune. It's just, it's hard to make it your day every day. I think, yeah. I think there's, there's like 10, maybe 12 athletes who it could be their day at any, at any point, you know, and there should be in any sport or else it's boring. But, uh, he, he said like flashback to the last time I ever, I ever lost at 175 pounds or anyone ever beat me. And it was a picture with me. And that's just how it was in his head. So right then, like, when I see something like that, I know I'm like, oh, I'm in your mind. And I love yeah. that. Like, that's fun. That, you know, it that's is. fun. And the fact that um, he then, you know, and he, but what he forgot is that he had a, um, 
and then at that nationals in 2012 is he had he had a, um, a bad day or you know bad two days at that next nationals but that that was not in his mind at all we right. even went out drinking that night we got fucked up with a bachelorette party in tunica mississippi at that national say that because literally just yesterday i interviewed uh zach mccarley about his Awesome. Uh, 90K World Strongest Man title. And uh very good interview. It was um, not the kind of interview I typically do, so it was a little challenging for me. Uh, yeah. I tend to stick to the science-y stuff and the facts and that sort of thing. So the personables were a little challenging for me. But the right. big takeaway from it, the most interesting thing I thought he said, and he said a lot of very interesting things, but the one fundamentally most interesting thing he said was, he said, you know, I don't do this, and I think no one else should do this, for the titles, for the money. He said, I do this for the experience and the relationships. He said, Definitely. Newsflash, I got to fly to Europe, meet a bunch of people I never met, see a culture I never said, saw, and do my thing. He said, That's why I do this. Yeah, and, and I, I agree. Um the I I have the the the, the amount of people that, that care about what I do like it, it, it's kind of weird. Like when I think about it, and especially like going through surgery, and I'm I'm not the same person I was. Like as on an athletic sense, I think I'm a better human overall. Um, you know, more well-rounded. When you're being an athlete, it's hard to be a complete person. Agreed. You, you if you are, you're you're not going to do that, and I realize that now. And I don't think that there's you know. On a very selfish level, I'd like to go back to being selfish and doing that, but at this point, I'm 30. I am uh, hopefully acquiring a house in 2016. I have a company. I'm trying to support this sport that gave so much to me, and you know, all and you know, I have a, a great wife, a you know, a zoo, everything like. There, there's things in my life that are actually more important. When there's still that, there's that, there's that, there's that fucking fire that I feel in my chest when I start talking about stuff like that now that just starts to burn and I get that itch and then going, you know what, I could do that. But then I know that like there are actually other than my own selfish hopes for accomplishments and greatness, there's, there's, um, there's stuff I care about more now. Where before I didn't, and it was all it was all consuming. And as an athlete, you all it's as a human, it's great to have that fire, but you can apply it to different things. And for instance, I apply that to my business, and hoping one day that I had a part in the Zach, the Zach McCarleys, you know, the the Castellis, the Benji Ellers. Uh, the Devin Reese, the current 175 pound champion, you know, all those kind of athletes like that. I hope that everything I've done, every surgery I've had, every, every argument I've gotten into on Facebook, all this fucking stupid shit I've, I've done will help them get, get even more of those kind of experiences like Zach did flying to Norway and that kind of and those kind of memories and building those relationships or when I got to fly to China and they get to do those kind of things. I hope that I somehow play a role in more people experiencing 
hopefully greater things than I did. Which which is what I think the growth of strongman, and this is where I was actually not leading. Not, I was not leading this conversation in any way, but I somewhere that I wanted to lead my little portion, my little inter- interjection to all this is, and and what you're saying ultimately comes down to truly what I believe. I do lay a large part of the blame for stagnation and a lack of innovation at the feet of the major organizations um, being a competitive powerlifter. I've seen powerlifting destroy itself as a sport by people just, you know, I'll start my own federation, and then it that in itself is good, but the federation sucks. And so now we just have crappy copy after crappy copy instead of something actually new and interesting. Um, the WPO was probably the closest thing to new and interesting we had. It got close. Right, it got close, exactly. But anyway, what I was going to say is what I ultimately feel, there's plenty of blame to go around, but in the reality, I really think the blame is actually at the feet of the individual competitors. Too many people are looking, for a, lot of that. looking for a, quote, sponsorship. They want a handout. They want somebody to help them pay for this difficult and expensive thing. When in reality, it should not be that. It should be them trying to build this difficult and expensive machine that is strongman so that it can run on its own in the future. Yeah, because if you don't give back to what you're taking from, then then you're just taking. Exactly. And that, that is where I believe a, we're at. As, as an athlete, as an individual, as a promoter, as a fan, a fan is just taking. That's fine. Um but they give no, back. Not really, they not give, necessarily. No, they give back. Buying a ticket, buying a T-shirt, you know, just hell, just passing it, the pictures around on Facebook. That actually like, counts. It, People for somehow seem to discount so that. It counts so much. It counts. No, no, don't apologize. It counts so much. I. Well, them consuming is the ultimate giving back, if you think about it. And I apologize. For, that was that was like I'm I'm. You know, in a, you know, the podcast form, you say things as they come out. Sometimes you don't say it in the right way. And I apologize to all the, all, everyone who is just a fan of the sport. I, I, you know, that doesn't necessarily compete it, you know, they're not, as, you know, they're not aspiring, like, not, and of course, the tagline for starting strongman is, strongman is for everyone, which a lot of people take the wrong way. It doesn't mean, that everyone um, can compete at World's Strongest Man, that everyone is going to be at that main stage at the Arnold, pressing a log over their head and screaming while 100,000 people cheer. That's not for everyone. What's for everyone is everyone can take lifting odd objects and doing something that they previously thought was impossible and empowering themselves and making them a stronger person, not just physically. And that's where people, that's where people mistake what this is about is it makes you a stronger human. It makes you a stronger man. It makes you if a stronger man. If I could man. interject some language to that, I, yeah. I agree with everything you said and, and I passionately agree with everything you said. But I would also add the language of and also simply appreciating the sport. Because, yeah. for, for instance, um, a, a little random trivia fact is, um, in my youth, I was uh, exceedingly artistic. I was actually called out as a, a potential art star. I uh, got some special government grants to prove my training and that sort of thing. And um, 
and I, I ultimately kind of withdrew from it because I recognized that I was good, but I wasn't as good as I think people thought I was going to be and kind of an yeah. emotional. I, I feel the rhetoric. same way. <laughs> but nonetheless, but nonetheless, my point is I'm not a world-class artist, but I have an extraordinary appreciation of art. And I mm -hmm. think that you can have that same relationship with a sport. I mean, look at the NFL. Everybody and their brother has an NFL feature with zero ability to play football on any organized level. I think that Strongman has that sort of potential. You know, yes, your mother will never press a 300-pound log overhead, but yes, I can see your mother watching Strongman and going, my God, that Zadrunas Zavikas is the man. I can see how that can happen. We just need to work toward it as a group. That's exactly what I've been doing, and I've been trying and, to and do I, it. And I, I accept can... that, and that's why you're on the phone with me. I'm, I'm certainly yeah. not challenging you personally. No, I know. Please, I just... I'm speaking to my listening audience with you as the vehicle. I, I never never take offense of my, my, my tone. No, I I'm... apologize. Oh, to offend me is next to impossible. I, 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 everyone out there, please try. I don't care. Like, I, 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 I love that. Like, I'm, it's, that, that's one of the things, it's probably the biggest waste of my time, but when people get mad at me about something, and I can kind of just kind of, and I know that they're mad, but I really don't care, and I, and I can steer it in a way where they end up looking horrible, is my favorite thing. Like, <laughs> I, I'm 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 a professional troll on some level. You know what I mean? Like like people say, oh, I'm trolling. If if it seems like you're trolling, you're not. Like right, that, right, agree. That means horrible at it. Right, right. Yeah, the only <laughs> but, uh, the bad peeping tom gets caught. Yes, agreed. Yeah. The other one just gets a show. <laughs> exactly, uh, agreed. Um, well. Uh, Something that I try to do with my radio show as a rule is I always try to have just a couple little bullet points that when people are done listening, they can go, that, that's what, that right there, that phrase, that sentence, that tidbit is the reason why I tuned in. You, Kale Beck, a man who makes a living, you know, as a strongman entrepreneur, uh, you know, a man who's competed, who has a strongman business, give us just a couple random or perhaps not random, ideas that could improve a competitor today and in, in the future? Just what, what would you say is the things, tighten up your game here, what would that be? As far as for a competitor? Well, yeah, you're somebody who's a, you know, an amateur competitor today. Someone, maybe they, they want to get future, sponsored. Yeah, maybe I, they have a future, it. maybe they don't. But what are the things they need to do to even look like they have a chance? They need to... Instead of thinking on what can I get, they need to first think what can I give. And that, that pretty much sums it all up right there. If someone comes to me and, or messages me, I had someone message me on, on fucking Snapchat of all places, would you sponsor me? Like, like that, that, like it was in a nice way. He's like, the person didn't mean any offense to it. I, I don't want them to feel upset by saying that, but that's not, that's not how you do things. Like, if I see someone is providing me value, then I know that I should then return it, 
or, or at the very least consider returning it. Uh, you know, yes. I agree. Or I, I agree. put it in the back of my head, oh, that person, I already see that they can do a task. It's called a resume. Like, people exactly. want to know what you've done to see if that you can then do the job at hand. And being an athlete and getting sponsored is a job. It doesn't and matter. So, if you can have... I'd like to- Something I'd like to like to say uh, on that point because you're 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 spot on. You're right where I was hoping this conversation would go. And something, um, and and I hope I could say this without being, without without causing offense. But your, your good friend Robert Obers, I see as the perfect example of what I'm okay. trying to say. He's a oh. very good strongman. He's a professional strongman. He's not but the by best. no means is he top ten world strongest man. He's just right now. He's just not that. Um, but but. Was, I, okay, I won't. I won't argue it to the letter. But you, no, there's no point in that. Right? He's he's not he's not threatening to win the show. Yeah, he's not Vivicus. He's not no. Shaw. He's not. But what he no. is is very marketable because of what you just said. Is he has accrued value through his persona, through his appearance, through his competitive acumen, through his association with you. He has accrued this value as a commodity, as a as a product, as it were. And that product yeah. has value to sponsors, to other people. They want association with him. They want his face and his presence on and near their product. And that, I think, is where people are going wrong. They just think, oh, look at my trophy. I should get paid for this. And they don't think that someday that you won't that trophy won't be relevant. So now what is your actual value? Would you yeah, agree with you that? Could, I, I 100% agree and I actually have someone knocking on my door, so we'll wrap it up with that. But Robert Overs is my best friend for a reason. I love him. He's not my friend. He's my brother. In every sense of the word, what family is, that's what we are. We, we just had this text conversation with each other this morning, and I am sleep-deprived and coming off of uh, uh, painkillers and narcotics, so I'm kind of in that mode. So you probably got me at the right time because I'm very open also. But, you know, but he's my brother, and we we sat – we drove together to Idaho 11 hours to compete in a fucking parking lot, and he's been doing strongman for about three days. And on that – on that drive, 11 hours there, 11 hours back, and like four days spent together, we developed a bond and we talked, and we basically became master blaster. Like, it, right. you know, like I, I, I know what it is. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I have, like with my mind, if I had that body, the things I could do, like that's what I always wanted as being like that small child, you know, like that that kid that was picked last at recess for you literally everything. Became that was your alter ego. In a sense. Well, and 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 him with I like we're, we're so connected, and that's why we will always do everything together, and we'll always try to do that. But he is he's done all that. We've had these same conversations. We've figured it out together along the way. You can see the success that he's having, and I I am getting some level of success. And I've always thought that the way for something to succeed is if everyone succeeds together. I'd rather that I'd rather that we get fifty fifty. I'd rather that like if if uh with this convert like if you had ad revenue for this thing for for your podcast in the future and you said, Hey, would you like to come on? And for that episode, um 
or like say like my podcast, if if I started making these you know strong talk podcasts on iTunes and all that you know cheap plug, um, if I had a, like there's certain podcasts that at the end they give the guests like a hundred bucks because yes. they made a thousand dollars off of ad revenue and that person was the material. That's how business should be done. Agreed, and you, that is actually show- my that is in fact my goal, and it is written in my my syllabus to myself as to where I want to be. I want to be able to pay guests in the future because of my success, because of their success. Yes, and, and I will say the same thing. I have a few sponsored athletes on First Starting Strongman that for my own financial, like starting a business is, is hard. It, it's just hard. You, and I'm learning as I go. I didn't go to any school. I've supported myself and lived on my own since I was 15 years old. I've had to figure out life to survive. I'm not saying that I'm poor me this or that. It's just a fact. I didn't have anything to fall. Like, I, like, I have a great family. They do anything for me. But I didn't have that thing of like, oh, I guess I'm just, like, I have this four years to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like, I, the more opportunities you have, the better. Like, for instance, I may, um, some would say slightly above average attractive. Let's be honest. Um, you know, I have good bone structure and, uh, uh, and great features hair. and great hair. Um, and mainly because I have always told people I have great hair and all those things. And I'm a, a white male. Like I have a lot of advantages to, to me in this world as well. And it's up to you to take those advantages. But there's, I was also in, in situations where I had to figure out life. Like, if your ass is to the fire, I thrive in that. And, like, I was not, like, I told my athletes, like, you know, okay, you know, like, I can't provide much at this point, you know, whether, like, my reach might be big, but as a company, it's now just starting to take to the point where I can actually, you know, do these kind of things I, I want to do. And thankfully, I've surrounded myself with people that appreciate that. And I think it's very important for companies and people to remember who believed in you at the start. Agreed. And, and that means a lot to me. I was just on the phone with, um, or just texting right before this. I'm going to call um, later today with a, a friend at, at 360 Cut Supplements. They're the first people that ever flew me out, paid me for appearances to work in Expo, anything, a supplement company. I've had many supplement companies since. Um, you know, like approach me and do this. And I've always been like, uh, 360, even though they haven't really, they, I haven't done one of those for two years or anything. I just remember like, I'm not going to take this shitty contract for someone who's just coming around now when someone who believed in me before everything has taken off actually gave me a chance. I'd rather take, I'd rather take less from the people that I have a real relationship with that goes back. And on, on, on that note, like it make it, it upset me so much that I wasn't able to reimburse yet, like Costelli and you know Brittany Diamond and uh, you know Erica Jerkard and these like athletes that you know competed at nationals that I I sponsor and support me like pay back their entries and stuff like that I promise because doing so would have pretty much made my business come to a halt at that point. Like, I'm, I have to keep the lights on in my home. Like, above sport, I have a passion for it, and I probably give back more than I should on a personal level 
that puts myself in a position where I'm not as, like, for instance, I drive a, like, 18-year-old $1,500 truck that, that fucking rattles around everywhere because also I work from home, so it's okay. But before everything, my wife and my family comes first, and I have to pay my own bills because if I can't support, it comes back to it, it needs to be an industry. If I can't support myself, I can't support them. And I, I I sent everyone personal messages and I apologized and it it, it fucking it hurt me that I couldn't do that because I thought at this point I'd be able to. Um, I do. And I do. going and, going and, um, going forward, I it I'll be able to provide more and more. And it's 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 finally turning that corner. And I'm pro, I'm promoting California's strongest woman and actually going to start promoting contests. And it is um, it is NAS slash uh, Strongman Corporation. And, like, this was announced about a week ago. You can go to CaliforniaStrongestWoman.com. But I, I've been putting off promoting a contest because I thought it would take away from my business. You know what I'm like, And I needed that to get to a certain point before I distracted myself further because I already have too much on my plate and I don't have, and I don't have the resources to delegate yet, right. which I, hopefully soon I do, which then, of course, Provides jobs, and who do you think I'm gonna who do you think I'm gonna delegate those things to? People in the industry, right? And or people that have supported me since day one. Exactly, exactly. People like I just talked. I just talked to someone about bookkeeping, for you know, because I'm like I hate I don't like doing that. I don't like tracking you know like my like I open. Trust me, my tax bill learning running my own business reflects that. Like I fuck I. Fucked up. Oh, newsflash. Here's life as as a self as a self employed person. Um, we own you. Thank you, But yeah, oops. <laughs> yeah, even if even if you're struggling to like uh, barely pay your bills and you're you, just, you become self employed at some point, you don't want to do what I did. That was horrible, and that's kind of like why, like. I'd love to pay someone's entry fee, but I'm more, um, I think, uh, making sure the government is happy is always smarter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Agreed. But, uh. Well, we're, we're closing in on 45 minutes, perhaps an hour, and, and we've, we've covered all the major tenants I, I really was hoping we could get out there, and, uh, I find it very interesting that someone like yourself has such similar, and, and in many cases even identical views as I do, considering we're on different coasts, we're of different ages, you know, we've even had different, radically different paths in, in and out of the sport. Uh, so I, I think there's something to the concepts that we've talked about, that they're universal enough that they transcend all yep. those things. So is there anything, you know, last little thing you want to add, anything you'd like to um, say to anyone or just to the sport at large? Um, I, I think, I, I don't want to, I, I think it's a bad um to eat itself to eat itself with within and and point blames at whoever is a bad model and I've been guilty of it in myself and being on both sides it gave me a more of an appreciation of why it is I don't like 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 you're saying with the governing bodies and stuff it's like there, there's truth to that but assessing blame does nothing to help it only divides us further and we need to be a strong community together and all do our little parts to kind of, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Um, 
something that I heard a very smart person, and I was actually looking him up on my phone to get the actual name, was a Derek Sivers, or Sivers, he was on a Tim Ferriss' podcast, and he was talking about all of this stuff. I'd, uh, def- if someone wants to listen to something after they listen to this and after they listen to the Strong Talk podcast, I would uh, um, search for that. But he said that if you want to have, the, if you have, like, a vision that you want in the world and you want a message you want to get out and you want to enact change, the two most important things in order is, first, get as famous as you can. Because the more famous you are, the more people you're going to reach with that. And that is the most powerful thing you can have, the bigger audience, et cetera. And he said, second, get rich. Because then when you when you have enough income that you're not worried about stuff like, you know, your mortgage, that you have a happy family, et cetera, if you're financially stable enough that you can do that and you have you have resources, you can kind of play around and enact the kind of change you want to see in the world. You can, um, you know, then set up charities. You can do all of that stuff. And there's this this notion that people have, and this goes for the sport and, um, you know, just kind of society in general is it's bad, like, to to be to rich. Like, it's, it's not bad to be rich. It's bad to be greedy. So that's kind of what I, I knew I had to get my word out as much as I can. And now I need to get as rich as I can so I have the resources to do what I want and help everyone else. And that it kind of it kind of sounds like a very douchey kind of thing, but if you are a somewhat sensible person, you'll understand what you'll understand that that's actually how the world works. I agree with that entirely. I agree with that. You know, I even if you take away the personal aspect, of, for instance, look at the success of this nation. Yes, that's the exact model we followed. You know, this nation was very, very wealthy and impacted the entire world. Many will argue not for the better, but nonetheless, it was done through wealth. Yes, it doesn't. It didn't say. It said that's the thing. If you want to have the biggest impact you have on the world, that doesn't mean it's going to be good or bad. It can be either, and it can be seen as good or bad from whoever's perspective it is. But if you want to have the biggest impact on the world, you can. Subculture, and there's the person I'm waiting for, and you could hear uh, my my zoo barking. So I think uh, we'll wrap it up on that. Is you need to do those two things. So get famous, get rich, and uh, hopefully we can all do it together. And uh, then what that will lead to is experiences, because that's what the true value is: the the friendship, the relationships, etc. So hopefully uh, everyone uh, enjoyed this, and uh, you know you know where to find me: startingstrongman.com find it from there. And with that, we'll see you next month, folks.